Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We've got a good one for you today. We're talking with Mackenzie Lunsford, and she is the food and culture storyteller for USA Today, and she is the editor of the Southern Kitchen, which I think is a division of USA Today, and you can go check her out at thesouthernkitchen.com. And she's got a really unique story. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking to her, and I learned about her from a post that Tyler Cobble put out there. Sometimes I just see posts from people, and uh, she's relatively new to town, and she's writing about all things food in the South. And I thought, let's let's learn about her. So here we go. So she she obliged and came in studio, and we just had a really uh, fun conversation. And hopefully you can glean something from this from somebody who is a writer and who's visiting kitchens and just looking for interesting stories. And if you have an interesting story, I'm sure you can find her and message her, and she'd love to talk about it. So uh, we are going to be jumping into a Monday. This is my favorite day of the week, as we all know. Happy finals of CMA week. I know if you're out there and you have been just slammed all week, congratulations. It's over. You made it. Whew. Wow. Okay. What a what a fun. What a, The heat is here, guys. This week, I looked at this week, every single day, we're looking at like 97 to 100 degrees. So um, go get your air conditions checked up. Do whatever you got to do. But it's it's going to be hot as hell, and hopefully you can make it through. Hey, I want to talk today real quick about two new technology companies that we have done interviews with the past couple weeks who are also sponsors. And I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes I bring sponsors on because I'm really excited about their product, and I'm just all in on what they're doing. And so I think the brands go, wow, that looks awesome. We love for you to talk about it. And I get genuinely excited. So that's the way that I feel about GoTab and Maintain IQ. And I want to tell you on the front end, GoTab, Tim McLaughlin on the show was so much fun. But just the idea that they do everything. They can do they can do a little bit. They can do a lot. If you're some, here's the, here's the main takeaway I would give you. If you are somebody who's out there who knows that you generate a ton of data every single day, you generate all this stuff and you love to market towards that, like, hey, what do I do with that stuff? That's where you need GoTab. GoTab can come in as a plugin on your legacy system that you're using. If you're not using Toast, anybody else, uh, it comes in as a plugin. The cool thing is that if you do need a POS system, you don't have to buy a bunch of hardware. It works. You can just upload it into your old, if you have a tablet, if you have an iPhone, whatever you have. Uh, and if you go right now to gotab.io forward slash en forward slash nrr, that is a special landing page you can go to where you get $500 in free hardware just for being a Nash Restaurant Radio listener. If anything, go Call them, go to that website and schedule a demo. You will learn a ton about the capabilities of technology in the industry. You're going to love it. Now, Maintain IQ, that's the other one that I really am just super excited about. And I've got my team on it. Uh, he was in town. Will was in town a couple weeks ago. And we went over 
every piece of it. Every my team is just so excited to get into it because it's literally digital checklists that help you do all of the little things. If you're a manager of a restaurant and you're walking around all day long going, why didn't you turn the lights on? Why is the air conditioner down low? Why is, you know, these lights out? What is going on? It's so frustrating. But with these checklists, every little piece gets done. And with the work orders that you can create through it, um, the Bluetooth thermometers that you can do all of your line checks and keep it all in one neat little place. If you got an iPad in the kitchen, you can go through and just click on it, temp it, and it automatically uploads the temperature right into um, the app and maintain IQ. So go check out maintainiq.com. They're just amazing. And so those two companies, I'm so excited to introduce to the city of Nashville. You can't really call a bunch of people and say, Hey, what do you think? Cause they're brand new to this town. So you could be an early adopter and you could be one of those people who's getting a level up on the competition right now. All of these big chain companies all use something like this. If they don't use GoTab or Maintain IQ. They use something like it. This is your opportunity as a locally owned and operated restaurant to get involved and to start competing with the big guys. This is it. It's an inexpensive way to really leverage your data that you're creating and get all the details done. So with that being said, uh, let's jump in with Mackenzie Lunsford. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, we're Excited to get back to some more chef interviews coming up. So stay tuned. Go follow us on Instagram at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio, where we are going to be posting all the stuff that we do. And go follow me. I am uh, at Brandon underscore NRR. That is where I post all of my people I go hiking with and all of the fun stuff that uh, is my daily life uh, in this world. So we appreciate you guys. Enjoy this episode. Have a wonderful week. Stay cool. Mackenzie Lunsford. Super excited today to welcome in Mackenzie Lunsford, who is the food and culture food and culture storyteller for USA Today South, and she's editor of the Southern Kitchen. It's a mouthful. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, thank you. Does I'm, that fit on one business card? No, no. I, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put food person. I think food person. My, my boss actually called me the um, Southern Food Sherpa the other day, and I, I asked if I could have that on my business card. Hell yeah, the Southern Food Sherpa. Yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting. It's a, it's a perfect title. It's a great title. I like it. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. <laughs> Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thank you. So I love, I find interesting people that I see out there and I see people who are writing, there's two different perspectives I like to share, right? So there's the actual chef, there's the restaurant owner, there's the people who work, there's three people that work like the vendors and people who work with restaurateurs. And there's always like a behind the, you know, Paul Harvey rest of the story kind of a moment. And I saw you do an article about the wash and Tyler Cobble, who's a friend of the show, is a good friend and he's... He made a post. I was like, man, I, I really enjoyed this time with Mackenzie Lunsford, and she's great. And I went, who's Mackenzie Lunsford? <laughs> who is Mackenzie who, Lunsford? <laughs> who is this person? And then I did some, uh, you know, amateur sleuth work and kind of looked you up, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Some of the articles she's written and a lot of barbecue. You're an author. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've co-written a book with people. Yeah, I wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I wrote, uh, what? That's, you got it too. See, it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's the morning. <laughs> We have some pollen happening in here. 
Um, yeah, so I wrote uh, a cookbook with Twelve Bones in Asheville, which is it's pretty no- well known there. Yeah. Um, yeah, has word made it all the way over to Nashville? About 12 Bones? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> but I'm, I love Asheville, and I mean, there's there's an amazing food scene there. What is yeah. 12 Bones? So it's just, it's a barbecue restaurant that started as like a little brick shack, and um, its main claim to fame is that it's it was Barack Obama's favorite place to visit when he was in the area. So he went by there multiple times to get the barbecue there, and uh even independent of Obama showing up, the place is just like rocking all the time. Just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people go through there every single day. Really good barbecue. So wow. they have a, a cookbook out there that I helped them write. Um, How did that, did you work for 12 Bones? No, I mean, I just, I was kind of, you know, the, the food Sherpa. Okay. <laughs> there in Asheville. I lived in Asheville for about 20 years. And Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was a, I was a restaurant person. So you kind of have, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah, here. I I uh, I owned a restaurant. I worked as a line cook. I developed recipes, and then I got into food writing, basically to save my knees and have you know like a, a little bit more of a normal schedule. Yeah, well, it's very demanding. Yes, on every part of your body, working uh, in a kitchen. Yes, every every part of you, and um, so. I had that kind of, I had that unique perspective. I had that ability to write, but I also had the ability to like work with people on developing, you know, their style and their recipes and that sort of thing. Wow, there's a lot there. Where'd you mm-hmm. go to school? It's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I did some culinary school, okay. um, but I was, I spent most of my, I guess you would call formative late teens, early adult years traveling. Okay, so you trial by by doing? Yeah, yeah. I worked in a lot of restaurants. Um, I did kind of a food truck situation when I was traveling around on the road. I guess what I'm trying to dance made around veggie is burritos that or I was, something. Yes, what did you do? You got it, you follow you fish it. around the country. Just How like, do you know I this? follow fish and veggie burritos, you, man. You veggie figured burritos. that out really fast. <laughs> kind of a food truck situation to me. Yeah, sounds yeah. like you got tickets for tomorrow's show. Yeah, you got it. You hit the nail right on <laughs> Man, just pull it out all my secrets. Yeah, this, is this that kind of show? <laughs> you can't, that can't be the situation. What is your food truck? What did you do? I, I, I had a Volkswagen bus with a kitchen. Okay, so I wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, okay, you got no, it. Shit. I told you. <sighs> wow, the lucky Next guess. question's going to be like, tell me about your mother, and I'll be crying in the corner. <laughs> We're going to go deep. How did it make you feel when you did that? <laughs> <laughs> so a moment in your life you go back to uh well where are you from like where did you where did you grow up your uh, east coast yeah i uh i grew up on the chesapeake bay in maryland annapolis maryland okay so yeah. you're i see why food is big to you yeah yeah so hitting crabs with mallets and all that stuff that was a big part of just like family gatherings for me we went to boston this year in september for the first time in my life and it was just amazing. Yeah. It's so much fun. And I, that's my perception now of what that part of the world is like. And it's, it's, <laughs> I want to go back. All the coastal cities are just the same, huh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I've, I've been all over the country. I'm originally from the West Coast and then Nashville and I've traveled, you know, Charleston, Savannah and, and, but like, I haven't 
spent really any time in New England. It's I've been in New York. Yeah, in Maryland, like, it's qu- kind of more mid-Atlantic. Is it more mid-Atlantic? Yeah, it's more mid-Atlantic. It's actually technically below the Mason-Dixon. Oh. Well, not technically. It's physically below the Mason-Dixon. Physically Dixon. below Dixon. the Mason-Dixon. Okay. Yeah. What's the biggest so. difference in the two? Like, if you think, like, Maryland versus, like, Boston. Um, culinarily, I oh, uh, I, I mean, Mid Atlantic food is it, kind of a thing all on its own. You know, you, you definitely have the the focus on on crab, and there's Old Bay and everything. everything. <laughs> that's that's not you know that's that's actually true. You know, we we put Old Bay on our popcorn at the movie theater and on our boardwalk fries and stuff. Um, Boston, I I'm not familiar enough with it even though I've been there I'm not familiar enough with it to to compare and contrast uh but Maryland you know it's no secret it's all about crabs yeah crab cakes and football mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if you're quoting nope. wedding crashers <laughs> um, that's absolutely true I grew up you know going to see football games and I've seen multiple Ravens games with my dad and nice yeah so crab cakes and football that's it <laughs> <laughs> Where did you, tra- you travel to? Just is it around the country or outside the country? Have you around been- the country? You yeah. a favorite place? I mean, so <clears throat> I think that <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head when you uh, picked out that I was on tour for quite some time. Oh, so you did follow? Was it fish? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's freaking awesome. I know, it's so funny. Um, That's awesome. I I saw the dead at at a young age, and then I did just a couple of different... They had a a project after Jerry Garcia passed on um, called The Other Ones? No, Further, Further Tour. Okay. I did that, and then I, I got into fish at a young age. And But the thing about being on tour, for me, it was less about... I mean, of course, it was about following the band. Sure. But it was a vehicle for me to see as much of the country as I possibly could. Yeah. And that was, I, I fell in love with travel at an early age, and I wanted to see the world. But first, I wanted to see the country. And so I was able to go from show to show and, yes, sell food. Veggie burritos and veggie burgers. You're very insightful. You just I've been to a just, show or two. Most people do, aren't able to just like pick out my thing <laughs> that fast. <laughs> but I was able to make enough money. I mean, gas was cheap back then. You know, I had a place to stay in the bus. I um, tickets were ch- cheap, uh, much cheaper than they are now. Oh God, back bless. then and often free. Yeah, and then you'd make enough money to kind of angel tickets. Uh, miracles. Miracle tickets? Is that what it's called? The miracle ticket? It, a, fr- a free ticket, a free is, ticket. A, is a miracle. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, we would make just enough to kind of hop off tour and go see Bryce Canyon or Zion or just go to all the national parks um, that we could. So, yeah, Zion was a huge highlight. That whole Four Corners area is just absolutely spectacular. It is. It's just amazing. And yeah, I mean, I've been back and forth and up and down across country a whole bunch of times and um, have been to every state except for uh, Alaska and Hawaii. And one of the Dakotas, I never can remember. I just call it the boring Dakota, (laughs) the one without the Badlands. And uh, it was a really, really cool experience. It was a cool way to, you know, grow up. And then I took my, my gypsy self to Asheville and I stayed there for quite some time working through the restaurant industry and um, 
eventually becoming a restaurant owner and did writing a cookbook and all these things just kind of fell into place. Did you do any street performing in Asheville? No. Because no. <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of that. There's lots of people that are like flipping sticks and yeah, playing well, songs and doing like it, Asheville's got a whole scene of like. Yes, busking. Wanderers? It's, it's busking. Yeah. Busking? And yeah, I mean. Yeah, and when I moved there in 98, I'm really aging myself, but when I moved there in 98. When you were was, 12. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there were a lot of people kind of um, who were who kind of had lived a traveling gypsy lifestyle like myself who were kind of starting to come together in that city, and it had a really independent st- spirit. It wasn't really touristy yet. It wasn't really built up yet, and there was kind of a sense of, of you were creating something, although of course the city had been there for a very long yeah. time. Um, that's about when I feel like it was kind of starting to reach its peak as far as, you know, artists and music and all of that stuff was starting to really, really come together in that city. And now of course it's well known for being breweries and food and and still it's known for being a place where artists are although that's less and less true because you know like you see here in nashville prices are just through the roof and so a lot of the artists have been priced out of Mm. Asheville. and i think people still go there expecting it to be really funky and you know the the funk is (laughs) slowly being wrung right out of that city (laughs) it's a beautiful city it is a beautiful city and everyone that i run into here in nashville I tell them where I moved here from. They say, why did you do that? (laughs) Which is really hospitable. (laughs) Well, I mean. Why why would you move here? (laughs) I know why you would move here. Nashville's amazing. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of Nashville. And I'm I'm originally from Southern California. So Mm -hmm. people would always tell me, like, why? why You lived in Laguna Beach, you know, right outside, (laughs) like right there. And I was like, yeah, and I didn't want to move here. I really didn't. But once I did move here. Uh, and I was when I kind of grew up here, and just I, I still get excited driving down like McCrory Lane or Sneed Road or any of these any road. There's just tons of trees and there's pastures or farm like those type of things you just don't get in California. It's it's dry and it's like dirt and sand and it's not. No. I mean, it's beautiful if you go visit, but the daily grind of living there is a real pain in the ass. And I love the daily. I can drive down a street. I'm away to work here every single day and I can pinch myself and go, I get to live here. Like this is, and 15 minutes from where I am right now is world-class concerts, NHL, NFL. The whole thing is right there, but I'm 15 minutes, 20 minutes away. I could be on a kayak Yep, and or just downtown, <laughs> but it's like, it's so amazing. Yeah. I'm a Nashville is such fan. a cool city. It really is such a cool city. Um, I also lived in California for a little bit. I lived in Ventura for like a minute. Okay, you're more L.A. though. And then I lived in the Sacramento River Valley, uh, Chico. A whole different world. For, mm, I don't know, nine months or something like that. Man, talk about hot. Woo. Is it hot up there? In the Sacramento River <laughs> Valley, yeah. It's like the desert. It is. Oh. I, 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 once, once it got to... 115 or something and uh, i just decided that i could not live on no this the surface of the sun anymore (laughs) it's a thing so let me ask you you traveled a lot around the country Mm -hmm. you lived out of a a volkswagen bus (laughs) yep (laughs) what life lessons did you learn like what what through that experience do you still look back on today that you take into your current life 
I think that before I did that, I'm I'm naturally an introvert, which really surprises people. Um, but I had a hard time relating to people. I, I grew up as kind of a, a nerd who didn't have a ton of friends and always felt like a misfit. <laughs> and um, as cliche as it sounds, being on the road with this kind of traveling circus was the first time that I ever felt like I was part of something, like part of a community. Yeah. And there is a kind of, there's a spirituality that you develop in in having those kinds of relationships with people that are so incredibly random, but focused on joy. Does that make sense? Like following music around is a totally joy focused experience. And you have a bunch of weird, crazy circus performer types who all come together every night, thousands of people experiencing joy together at the same moment. So that was kind of a um, like sort of a spiritual awakening for me as a person who didn't really grow up with that with you know organized religion, religion yeah. because my parents were raised in Baptist churches that were very very you know almost snake handling kind of situation. Oof. Yeah, so they fled that, and so I was raised basically without you know we'd go to church once a year that that sort Easter of thing. Easter was they, a they, great day to go. Yeah, to church. they were kind of done with all that. Um, so there was that aspect of it that, that kind of, it sounds silly to say, you know, but anybody who's a music lover knows that there's a certain spiritual feeling about being together with lots of people who are feeling joy all at once. Well, I'm an alcoholic, just throw that out there. And I go to meetings. I go, I could go to AA meetings and that's probably the closest thing that I get to that. Cause it is almost spiritual. There's a group of people that do not care what everybody's fucked up. Nobody <laughs> here is perfect. We've all raised our hand. We've all owned our shortcomings and we've said, Hey, look, let's all just help each other. Let's all help each other stay this way. And it's, it's one of the coolest experiences that I have. Cause you go into a room and you're never in a room with a bunch of people that don't judge you. And you're just good. You're all there to help each other. And I think that's a similar, you're traveling with a bunch of people that, Nobody really cares all of your flaws, whatever they are. They're just, it's all about celebrating this moment and helping each other get through it. It's a, it's a group effort. That's, that's absolutely right. And there's a realness and a rawness to that group of humanity. And so it helped me start going through life in a way where I, with, of course, exceptions, <laughs> I realized that we're all in this together. Yeah. You know, and, and it's brought, it did bring me out of my shell. Um, it helped me relate to people in a, in a very real way, in a very authentic way as much as possible, right? Because we all have our, our things. We all have our facades. Sure. But I think just learning that and being immersed in that and also being immersed in a culture in which you learn to live in the moment and you learn to just kind of accept whatever because there are a lot of things that happen when you're traveling. You know, there are a lot of problems that arise. You learn to problem solve. You help each other through it. I think that that prepared me well for life. Yeah. Just being able to, ex like, take curveballs and well, live with it. I think that's a perfect setup to walk into a restaurant. <laughs> you know, we do this. Exactly. Um, on the wall right there. You can't read it, but it's, it's just a quote by uh, Rick Warren, and it says, Endurance is achieved 
through the constant ability to never give up. And I did this lineup topic the other day and I said, guys, this industry is crazy. There's not one day, maybe one day a month that I have a strategy going into a day as to how I'd like that day to go, that it just does that. Like every day something comes up and it's like, oh, this person didn't show up today or look, somebody's choking or, you know, whatever the case may be in an, in the industry, like every day something crazy happens, right. but you can't give up. Like you got to keep going yep. and it takes a village of people to do that. But like every day, it's not easy, but you've got to be able to constantly keep going. And I think that's something that's learned. And for you, going from that city to city, figuring out what you're going to do next, curveballs right and left, it's a really a natural transition going into a restaurant. You're almost, it's almost like training to be prepared to, hey, shit's not going to go the way that I want it to, but it's okay. But it's okay. And further, that translates well into a newsroom. So when I started... Uh, when I got kind of thrown into daily reporting, it was okay because, you know, you never know what's going to happen, right? I yeah. mean, even in a small newsroom, I mean, especially in a small newsroom where I worked in Asheville, I was a food writer, sure, but there are times when I had to work breaking news. I mean, I have a North Carolina Press Association Award for breaking news for reporting on a triple homicide. Mm. So, <laughs> and, you know, that's scary to walk into the newsroom and be the only person because you're on breaking news, you're on the breaking news desk, and there's been this terrible accident, and you have to just roll with it and cover it and make it happen until somebody can come in to, to back you up. This is exactly why I wanted you here today. <laughs> because because I've, I've covered triple homicides? No, because <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. And I, I love and- that. No, no, no. I do. I mean, I, I totally understand the concept of breaking news, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never worked for a news station. I don't know what that means. I mean, I get your a food and your beverage, food and beverage. You're, I'm writing about food, but mm-hmm. like, I get that much. But when sure. you say I'm on a breaking news desk, I'm like, is that like, a, is that like detention? <laughs> I mean, is that, is, like that is that like when you're. <laughs> Well, you got to cover breaking news tonight from four to eight, and that's my shift. Like, ah, oh, damn, does that mean you just sit in a room and wait for some shit to go down? And then yep. when it does go down, you hop in a van and you run down there, and you're like, "It's Mackenzie Lunsford. I'm live at a triple homicide." And did it? Is that yep. how that works? Yes, except newspapers, not TV. Okay, newspapers. <laughs> newspapers, yeah, a oh. daily newspaper, yeah. So you, you just go down there and just start writing about it. Um, yeah, usually. You have to go to the spot? Well, in this particular case that I'm talking about, I, I remain point person in, in the office behind my computer while as soon as people were able to, they ran down, they were on the scene, I would take notes from them. And um, then you write the article and about it? We would all collaborate to, to put things together. In, in that particular case, I wasn't on the scene. But, but yes, generally, it's like you see that something has gone down and you decide who goes out to capture, you know, sound bites to maybe, yes, uh, get a little bit of video, but it's, you know, iPhones and, yeah. and, you know, interview people and get enough together to put a story together. Um, you talk to the police, you talk to victims' families, that sort of thing. We had to have take a technical break there in the podcast. We're going to pick up where we left off right after these words. 
All right, today we are talking about net checks. Net checks. Man, I tell you what, net checks. Have you heard? I start thinking about netchecks.com and I just get, I get excited. I mean, payroll, taxes, human resources. Oh, this is my jam. Hey, look, I'm a restaurant person and I'm good at dealing with people, do all the other things, but you know what? All this HR, payroll, taxes, that is not necessarily my jam, which is why NetChecks is here. They make it so darn easy. Recruiting and onboarding, performance management, human resources, they do the scheduling. They're like a, like a, a program. You can go and put your schedule. It'll fill it out for you. You need that. That makes your life easier. Stop using an Excel spreadsheet. They do payroll, they do taxes, and it's all wrapped up nice and neat in a mobile app. You need to go check them out right now. If you are like me and don't like doing all these things, they make it so easy that anyone can do it right now. NetChecks is always on the employee experience. Hey, we're talking about the compost company, Jeffrey and Clay Ezel who've been guests on the show are doing amazing work. What they do is they take your extra food waste, all that food you scrape off your plate, you put it into a special green bag. And in that green compostable trash bag, you, you dump it into a special waste container and then they will take it to their farm where they come, they turn it into compost. They turn it organic soil, which then gets in turn sold to Whole Foods, to landscapers, to local farmers. It's really kind of amazing. You see that food waste that you're putting in the dumpster, then it goes to the landfill. It gets trapped underneath all that plastic and these other bags that aren't compostable. And that's how greenhouse gases are formed. It turns into methane gas. Guys, you can do the right thing. Do the responsible thing and take care. Let, your, let them come pick up your food waste. Let them come pick it up. They'll take it to their farm. It, it, all it is is the cost of them coming to pick it up, and it's pretty inexpensive. So what I'm saying for you today is call Jeffrey Ezel, 615-866-8152. We put the green, with the green bags in Greenhouse Grill, and already staff's like, dude, this is amazing. We're so excited doing this. Another way to keep staff interested and engaged to do the right thing for Mother Earth. Reduce your carbon footprint, the compost company. What Chefs Want has been serving the Nashville restaurant community for over 15 years. During that time, they've worked tirelessly to be, well, what chefs want. Seven-day deliveries, no fuel charges, 24-7 customer care, unparalleled availability, and they'll split almost everything they sell. If you're the kind of person that wants to see what's new when it comes in stock, you should follow them on the socials at what chefs want and sign up to be a customer at whatchefswant.com. Okay, so you're writing an article from a news desk. Is that exciting? Like, does that, what does that do for you? Are you like, yes, here we go. Like, let's write it. Is, there, is it like, do you get amped for that? Or did, was that like not something that you enjoyed? The answer to that is yes and no. Um, I do enjoy breaking news. I do enjoy that kind of, adrenaline filled um something's happening in the moment i need to communicate it to people as quickly and concisely as possible um you know it, it is similar to why people like working in kitchens like i did you know like there's this wave that's about to crash on us and we have to take care of it before it does and we have to do it efficiently and concisely um however there is 
a point where some people, most people, I would wager to say, who who do that kind of stuff often, burnout. It, burnout is real um, in the restaurant industry, and burnout is real in newsrooms. So that particular occasion that I was talking about, that that homicide, I I had a really hard time sleeping for for weeks after that because wow. it it really did get to me. Um, and so that sort of reporting, I don't love it. Um, I like I said, I love the you know adrenaline surge. I prefer if I'm going to be covering any kind of breaking news. I really <laughs> like the uh, weather stuff, like when we would get. Uh, hurricanes and that sort of thing, being involved in, in tracking that and writing about it. And just because it's a nerdy, interesting thing to call the weather people and talk to them about what's happening in the atmosphere to make this happen. Um, of course, you know, I don't like the aftermath when people are injured and covering that, but it's still, it's something different. Um, I, I like to have change, um, something different to focus on other than food sometimes. So I want to focus on what you said about burnout. Mm-hmm. Because burnout is a topic that I don't think we talk enough about. Like I try and talk about my alcoholism and I want people to know that it's okay. Like if you drink too much, it's not like I, I want to normalize it. And I also want to normalize the idea of burnout, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that we live in a society where people tell you to suck it up. And I feel like we're in this crazy balance right now of like me, we're on the cusp of Generation X and boomers, and then you have millennials and Generation Z. And I think I'm I'm like the last of the dinosaurs of people that, which are a lot of the leaders in companies right now who just, you need to be doing this. You need to show up. Why don't you have the work ethic? Why aren't you? It's like, why don't you care about me? I think it's, that's a really big deal is why don't we care about the people that are working for us? And every day during the middle of shift, crazy shit goes down. Crazy stuff happens, I think, in every job, especially, I mean, I look at like musicians, writers or people who are in the media in restaurants because it just stuff gets thrown at you right and left and you have to be good at pivoting on the fly and changing and okay we're gonna problem solve right now in the moment and at the end of the day I don't think that we as employers and leaders do enough to take care of people's trauma because it can be really intense on a, any given night that you're in the weeds, you're short-staffed, you're taking five tables, and something goes wrong, and it throws your whole night off. And that's really a difficult thing. And I, I, I think that that burnout happens because we don't open up the channels of communication for people to say, hey, look, this was a really hard night for me, and I need to, I need to take a day, or I need to at least talk to somebody about it because I'm not okay. I think there's more people that walk out of the job in the restaurant industry. We go, fine, I, I fucking quit. And they'll just walk out. And I'm like, how do, we, how do we get there? How do we not proactively as leaders walk up and say, how are you doing today? Like, what are you doing? And I think that that's something that companies need. Have you seen anything like that in, in your industry? Is that, do you feel like there's some similarities? I do feel like there are some similarities. I think that um, with with Gannett, the company that I work for, which is you know pretty much the largest media company out there, yeah, um, the Tennessee and USA Today, and every Gannett paper, and yeah, every, yeah, it's everywhere. But um, there is some concern about um, mental health, especially during the height of the pandemic, right when we were all just kind of 
dealing with reporting on that as we were trying to absorb it at the same time. I mean, people were just having a real rough time. Yeah. But kind of bringing it back to restaurants and what you were saying, you know, talking about the burnout there, I would love to see a lot more compassion from the side of the customers because a big part of the burnout that's going on, I've covered this topic a million, a million ways <laughs> since, since, you know, 2020 basically um, brought the worst people out of the woodwork for whatever reason, but customers coined the term Karen, right? Right. I mean, that yes. came, I mean, that's always kind of been a thing past few and, years. But and like, our apologies to Karens everywhere. Like yeah, actual, actual Karen. the Karens. <laughs> I always feel so bad. Um, but hey, look, my name's Brandon. <laughs> right. So, I mean, every time I meet somebody in a restaurant, I'm like, oh, you mean like, let's go, Brandon? I'm like, oh, no, not, not like, let's yeah. go, Brandon. But it's like every time you're like, oh. I know. I bet. <laughs> so Sorry. That's okay. So I just, I feel like, and this is something that I, I've written columns about, I've written stories about. I just wish that there was more compassion from the customer side of things. Customers and the way that they're treating service industry professionals, the bad customers, of course, not all customers, are, are driving burnout, are driving people to quit. I mean, we all heard the stories, you know, after restaurants opened back up of people, customers refusing to wear masks. I heard stories of customers spitting on tables. I mean, well, I, <laughs> Asheville was, it took COVID very seriously. We got a lot of tourists from places that did not take COVID very seriously and they would, they would rebel and you would have wait staff that would completely just walk off the job and and I don't blame them and this narrative that people don't want to work anymore is false people just don't want to take crap anymore abuse people don't want to be abused and you were talking about the generational thing I also in the, <laughs> in the last of the dinosaurs I just had this conversation with somebody um, very recently, just where we are on, on Gen X, you know, definitely the forgotten, <laughs> the I'm, forgotten I'm generation. Good, I'm good with that. I'm good with that too. I like, I'm like that. don't look, don't, don't look at me. I'm fine. <laughs> I'll just be over here doing my thing. Um, but I have to hand it to the younger generation for saying, forget it. I'm not going to be treated like this. Yeah. And I came up in the industry, in the restaurant industry in a time when it was very much a pirate ship where people yelled at each other. I've had things thrown at me. You know, I've, 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 <laughs> I've seen it all. And I've been that jerk myself. And thank God I got out of owning restaurants because it was not good for me <laughs> or anyone around me. But this younger generation has said stop this is this this is a profession this is a career this cannot be this way and so i have seen a change in the restaurant in industry i have seen restaurants investing in the simplest things like giving their employees time off when they're sick or mental health days providing even access to mental, to counselors, that sort of thing. And these things are changing and it's absolutely huge. But the bottom line is that we just need to have more compassion for people in general and how hard this time has been to navigate emotionally, psychologically, all of that. How are you doing? I'm <laughs> fine. I mean, <laughs> I, that, that very well said. I think that true, we do need to practice much more compassion 
but I also think that, you know, I, I, I there's no also, that's just, yes, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. You yourself throughout the pandemic, are you, do you have children or? You, yeah, I have a six-year-old daughter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you have a six-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and that's a, um, so you've had the, the child throughout the pandemic. That's been a challenge. How has she handled it? Hey, I, I've, my husband and I have been blessed with a really resilient child. She, um, I should also credit us, I guess, <laughs> to, um, we tried really hard to make it a very magical time for her. Yeah. Um, we were all stuck at home. Um, obviously all of us together. My husband is a teacher, so he, we're fortunate that he was able to be with her. I was working from home, but I was working all the time yeah. because yeah, working yeah. in the news industry. Um, but also I was having periodic furloughs. Um, it was like one week a month throughout the pandemic. So that was a, it was a blessing. It was great. I was yeah. in, you know, I was able to apply for unemployment for those weeks. Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it, uh, we were, I've, I felt like we were really fortunate. It's a lot of work online every month to, to yeah. do that though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Oh my God, the North Carolina, ugh, I'm not even going to get into it. But I once sat on hold. I can still conjure up the hold music <laughs> two years later because <laughs> it took forever for my benefits to get in. Um, I sat on hold for four hours and then got hung up on. And I, <laughs> the, the control to not throw my phone against the wall was just uh, a lot of deep breathing. But anyway, we, we created a lot of magic during that time for her. We did a lot of, we had a third of an acre in Asheville, um, which is not unusual. There's a lot of space there. And, um, we would do scavenger hunts. Um, we would do visits from the fairies where I would buy cool little stones and hide them all over the yard and, you know, wake her up and say, Lily, the fairies came last night. So, oh man, how much fun is that? I think she remembers Lily. Her name is Lily. Pretty name. Thank you. I think she remembers it as a time of, of joy. And I, we were not, we were not traumatized or at least we weren't feeling that we were at the time. And we were not expressing a lot of fear about it. So I think we all just kind of got through it well. So it's interesting because I asked you what you learned through your years. Of, I don't know how many <laughs> years of following fish. And I'll tell you that there's a, there's a book I just read by Michael Easter. And it was recommended to me from Matthew Clements. He runs Robbins Insurance Agency. Robbins Insurance. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's called The Comfort Crisis. And it's a book about how we we live in I call it an air-conditioned world where we go every single day and we really just do the things that are the most comfortable we go from air-conditioned room to our car we listen to music we just we're constantly distracted and we do the things that are like the least path of resistance Mm -hmm. and we get into these rhythms of doing that Mm -hmm. and they did a bunch of studies that people who get out of their comfort zone people who sleep in a van and <laughs> make money from day to day and do stuff like that. The people who have had, who've been tested and challenged the most are typically the most easygoing, welcoming, like friendly, because they are okay with change. When you're okay with change and when you can get out of your comfort zone and try something new, they found that people are generally live longer and that they, they are okay. Like they're happier, they have better mental health. Mm-hmm. 
I just think it's so interesting that because is. those type of experiences that you had where you didn't know from day to day kind of how you were going to do it, but you made it happen gives you a sense of confidence going into things like a pandemic because you're like, hey, look, we can live out of the, if worse comes to worse, we're going to make it. And that positive attitude going into something like that versus what am I going to do? I don't know. I've never done this before. Scares a lot of people. And I imagine you, I mean, just the ideas of you know, the fairies came last night. Those little things are <laughs> A, a creative mind, but B, I think a lot of it stems from past experiences. Am I off base? No, I don't think you are. Sure, think and about I'm, it like that. I'm not sure if I ever came to that realization, but I'm sure at some point I did. That was a bit of a blur those couple of years. But but yeah, I would say that's a really cool way to bring it back. I mean, you you asked what I learned from that time, and the answer was my own long-winded way of saying I learned resilience. I learned yeah. that we're all in this together. Yeah. And that, that, that helps. So there's my motivational point for you today. Get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Try something different. Try something new. Go live in a van. <laughs> I mean, there's to. this whole van life thing that I think is so funny because I was doing van life before it was cool, but I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, now, now it's like tiny homes and people are converting old buses into like these really nice places. I, I want one so bad. It's my biggest regret that I sold my bus for, I don't know, some ridiculously low amount of money, I'm sure, and then hitchhiked wherever I was going next, you know. Um, but gosh, I miss that thing a lot, a lot. I bet. Yep. Mm. <laughs> a whole lot. But, um. So we've talked a lot about your food writing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's true. We've said absolutely nothing. I should probably plug southernkitchen.com. <laughs> Fantastic. There it is. Southernkitchen.com. <laughs> Sign up for my newsletter. <laughs> okay. So you, well, let's do some plugs here. Come on. We're like 35 minutes in. Yeah. We're about to take a break to, to hear a word from our sponsors. Well, let's talk about your stuff. How can people follow you to learn m- more about your food writing ways? So, so yeah, southernkitchen.com is the cooking website that USA Today took over. Um, when I'm not going to get into companies merging and stuff, that's going to get really boring. So just that's enough. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, excuse me, it's a, it's a, it's mostly, yeah, like I said, it's a cooking website. There's a lot of recipes, but also there are some stories for me as well. And that's one facet of what I do. Um, but I also travel around the South and I stay here in Nashville plenty too, but I travel around the South. I write stories which go into, um, USA, USA Today papers around the South. And I have a, I have a weekly Sunday column. The, again, um, all of the USA Today papers in the South, so it's like semi syndicated. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. And what was your what was your column last weekend? What was it about? My column last weekend. What was it about? Oh, it was about it was actually about traveling through the South um, and the joy of the roadside stand produce stand and yeah. how they all smell exactly the same if you think about it you can probably conjure it up it's kind of like sort of sour ripe tomatoes and melons and and onions peach smell yeah exactly in the summer Mm -hmm. yeah the peach smell and the ripening yeah the ripening cantaloupe and all of that smell the nashville farmer's market yeah 
<laughs> the roadside stands are different too. The Nashville Farmers Market is its own thing. I yeah. I'm used to be so I I'm a produce guy. Oh okay. So I used to be um, in 2005. I ran a company called What Chefs Want of Creation Gardens, and did that. And I sold produce for a company called Fresh Point. So I was in the produce business for 10 years, and sold produce to everybody. So I've been to that farmers market hundreds of times and knew all the people. Mm-hmm. Been out of it now long enough to where I I forgotten a lot of it, but. Um, Lot good times, mm-hmm. good times. I know that <laughs> smell of being yeah. around produce in 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 many different facets. And then yeah, it 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 did also bring up the peach smell, which you mentioned. And then there was a I provided a recipe for what happens if you buy too many peaches because you always that, yeah. do right. You you always buy because they smell amazing. It's no and, such thing as too many peaches, and, by the way. But I know what you mean. You can you can <laughs> freeze them. That's the best way to do it. I once bought a bushel of peaches that were almost ripe on my birthday for, I guess this was in 2020. Yeah. And I thought a fun thing to do for my birthday, which is on the first day of summer, would be to buy a bushel of peaches and make stuff out of it. I don't know. I was crazy. I don't know why I thought that would be fun. Everybody at the time, though, was like uh, turning into a DIY master, right? Yeah. Do you know how big a bushel of peaches is? I mean, you're a produce person. You you know. It's well, I know a bushel and ninth is about 20 pounds. Yeah. A bushel so, is about 20 pounds. So here I am in my kitchen on my birthday, like boiling, like flash boiling peaches to get the skins off and making like jam over here and barbecue sauce over here and chutney over here. And then I just at a certain point was like, okay, that's enough. And I just chopped them all up and froze them. <laughs> and you do a lot. You, you said barbecue. You write a lot about barbecue. Is that your favorite <laughs> subject? Is it your favorite type of food? Is it? You're, you're talking about, um, you must have seen the most recent project. So we do these premium se- sections for USA Today, okay. and they go in all of the USA Today inserts in every USA Today network paper across the country. Wow. So those premium sections, we've done two of them. One was about um, cocktails and Southern, Southern made spirits. And then the second one, which just came out on June 5th, was all about the art of cooking outdoors. So there was grilling um, and lots and lots and lots of stuff about barbecue too. Have you read Pat Martin's book? No, I feel like I I should, (laughs) the way that you're looking at me. (laughs) It's right there. It's called Life of Fire. Okay. It's a a how to build a pit, how to do all the things. And he teaches how to do Southern whole hog barbecue. And that he outlines it. Which is like the holy grail of outdoor cooking. It is. Yeah. And this, in the book, he outlines what you do with a green fire, what type of wood to use, what type of chairs you need to sit in for the 30 hour. I mean, he goes into the details. I saw your article on grilling and barbecue and all the different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, that's kind of a, a kind of like the book Life of Fire. It's pretty cool. That's okay. So I'm going to go deep and make a major ad- admission here let's go i don't eat a lot of barbecue okay <laughs> i've written well, a barbecue book <laughs> yeah I mean, i've like- written stuff about barbecue to usa today i i know a lot about barbecue restaurants but it's just not on the top of what i go out to eat and people are always like where's the best barbecue restaurant and i know of them but i'm i'm not the best person to ask that question <laughs> like 
I'll tell you what's most popular. Yes. Uh, it, I, I can tell you, like, my favorite poke and <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, so around. what is your favorite? Like, what is your go-to? I love the the pokey, poke bar at uh, uh, The Wash. Okay. It's, I mean, it's hands down the best in, in town, in my opinion. I have yet to go. It's so good. I'll go check it out. Yeah. The poke, poke. It's, it's called pokey. P-O-K-I. And they sell poke. P-O-K-E. Pokey and they sell poke. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get over there to the wash. It's great. I've had most of them on the show. I haven't. I need to get the the poke guy on. Yeah, and it's Pokey. yep, and he yeah, he's great. Everyone who I've talked to who runs a place over there is just amazing. Young entrepreneurs just doing just killing it, killing it over there. What a neat concept that Tyler came up with. Just a this incubator for people. I, I think I read in your article that they've got thirty people on a waiting list to go ahead and do it. To, to put a place in there. And I'm like, wow, why don't they take all, all car washes and just do that? Right. Oh my gosh. Car washes. I'm, I'm sorry if you own a car wash, but it kind of a waste of space, right? We don't need a million of them. No. And there's the ones you can just drive through and they're pretty easy. Yeah. But car washes everywhere. it's a really incredible concept. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about at home, we're talking about uh, the wash. It's a microfood hall. It's on McKinney. Uh, it's on the corner of McKinney and Gallatin over in East Nashville. Um, Tyler Cobble, who is behind um, the project with his investment group, um, took this car wash that basically... Had six bays. Had six bays, was very underutilized piece of important East Nashville lands. Um and upfitted it for restaurant use and created a place where young entrepreneurs can open their restaurants for very low entry costs. Yeah. So I've opened a restaurant before, and the hood system alone is tens of thousands of dollars, right? And yeah. he's, he's put all that stuff in there. So you just come in, it's, and it's all you don't have to worry about tables and chairs and servers because right. it's all takeout. That's right. They just make food, and there's like a little kind of an area outside that has tables and chairs mm-hmm. you can go sit in, but it's... As a group, I think you pay like an association fee and it up and all that, the upkeep is all there, mm-hmm. right? Is that, mm-hmm. I think, how he's That's done it? That's what I understand, so you yeah. you like five restaurants and they got a bar at the end that will, you can, that kind of has drinks that go with the five, the five other concepts there. So you got Tootsie Lou's Tacos, you've got Eastside Pho, Pokey, uh, Soy Cubano, and... The um, Peruvian... Peruvian. Uh, two Peruvian chefs. Two, two Peruvian, Peruvian chefs. chefs. Okay. And so it's right around the corner from my house. So, I, I mean, we, we pick up food from there all the time. It's it's just, it's very good. So The East Side Pho is fantastic, too. It's all great. Well, Chad and Gracie are two of my favorite people in the city. Mm-hmm. They're just like, if you've been, you've been East Side Bon Me, I assume. Mm-hmm. I like crave East Side Bon Me <laughs> sometimes. I'm having rose pepper for lunch today. I'm really excited. Oh, that's a good one too. We really have the best restaurants over on the east side. I love oh, you it really there. Do. It's, it's it's fantastic. I every time I go to East Nashville, I just feel home. I don't know why I go there. I'm just like, I just there's a vibe. I love it. It's how I, I kind of I've avoided being the person that misses old Nashville because I I like growth. I like change. We've talked about this. I like that. I think it's neat, but I went downtown the other day. Just because I had I was show I had a guest in here and he had never been to Nashville and it was a Thursday night and I just drove him down Broadway. I never got out of the car. I just drove down Broadway and he was like, "What the hell?" I know it's like, crazy. This is insane. I'm like, <laughs> this is not the Nashville I grew up in. I mean, I've lived here for 33 years, so 
there's a there's a side of old Nashville that I I'm starting to miss, but I can feel it much more in East Nashville than I that is anywhere else. Yeah, the so I signed on to take this job um, from moving from a tiny little newspaper to be like the regional food reporter uh, here in the South for USA Today, and um, I'm based out of the Tennessee, and so I signed this contract saying I would move here, and I hadn't been here since. I mean, I don't even know. It'd been more than 10 years, I think. And I thought, oh, Nashville's fun. You know, I'll move there. That's fine. I was kind of like I was ready for an adventure. And when I got here, I was was really surprised. Yes, very surprised. Um, And the first assignment that I I took was, um, was I had to drive down Broadway at 1030 in the morning. And people, I mean, it was full and people are like hanging out of the windows and drinking. drinking and I'm like, what is this? Like, not, not Who what are I these expected. People? Yeah, it was really funny. But then um, we had an Airbnb over um, in Lachlan Springs and drove over there and felt at home. Now, of course, we can't afford anything in Lachlan Springs, but you know, just driving over the east side for the first time, it did exactly like you're saying. It felt like coming home, and we 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 said, "Oh God, okay, here, this is this is where people from Asheville move. This is the side of town yes. <laughs> because it did have kind of that artsy Asheville ask vibe for us." We're gonna change gears with this conversation when we get back from this short break from our sponsors. One of God's great gifts to this world was fresh baked bread. That's why Sharpier's Bakery delivers six days a week to your restaurant, as they've been doing for 36 years. Aaron Moso's family has been running Sharpier's Bakery, locally owned and operated right here in Nashville, Tennessee, like I said, for 36 years. Go check them out at sharpiers.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S dot com or Sharpier's Bakery on Instagram and Facebook. Give Aaron Moso a call at 615-319-6453 to set up an appointment to talk about what fresh bread you'd like delivered to your restaurant today. So I'm going to start off and tell you guys that we use Robin's Insurance Company at both of our restaurants, the Green Hills Grill and Maribel, because they specialize in restaurants. It's so important. I'm telling you, if you buy insurance, in anywhere that you buy insurance, it's so important that you're buying the right type of insurance. And you know, I don't think people tell you that. They just sell insurance for what the cheapest is. But you know, sometimes you're paying the cheapest for insurance you don't need. So that is why Robbins Insurance specializes in restaurants. They identify exactly the type of insurance that you're gonna need to run your business so that you can sleep sound at night. And that's super duper important, y'all. So. I would like for you, if you're curious about this, you want to learn more, give Matthew Clements a call. His number is 863-409-9372, or you can shoot him an email at mclements, that's M-C-L-E-M-E-N-T-S, at robbinsins.com. You have heard me talk about Supersource for the last two years. And in that time, Jason Ellis, I feel like he's taken over the city. It is hard for me to get a guest in here that doesn't use Supersource. And I'm telling you, everybody loves him. When you mention Jason's name, like, oh my gosh, that guy's legitimate. Now ask yourself this question. Do you feel that way about the person that provides you with your dish machine and chemicals? Because he's the real deal. 
And guess what? He's not going to make you sign a five-year contract. He's never going to say, well, you signed a contract. It's on you. He goes week to week. You never sign a contract. So he earns your business every single week. I loved it when we had Cam and Nikki in from the Red Perch, and they said, he's like one of our employees when he's in the building. He's that good. You should call him today. If you don't feel that way about your dish machine and chemical person, 770-337-1143 is how you get a hold of Jason. Or go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab. There's a special link on there that will get you special discounts for new customers. Call him now. What's a story that you've written that like shocked you or that you learned something profound from that you weren't expecting? Do you have it? Because you are the, uh, hold on a second. Food and culture storyteller (laughs) for USA Today and the editor of Southern Kitchen. What, like, what's a story that like something you could tell us? That had a profound impact on me? Gosh. Or just a good story. I don't know. If There's so many, though. I, I'm kind of going through. So, I mean, I've been writing about food since, um, oh, my gosh, since 2005? Yeah. I've been writing about food for newspapers since then um, and full-time now for uh, 14 years, I think. Wow. Um, I know. And so just kind of going back through all of that. I mean, I I think I'll focus on a topic, really, rather than a specific story. Um, I think working to cover labor issues in the restaurant business has had the biggest impact on me. Um, There was a story that I wrote um, that I also got a Press Association Award for. It was about kind of like what we were talking about before, um, workers not having easy access to just PTO. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like an obvious thing, right? But I really dug into it, dug into the stats and how many how many restaurant workers were at the time, because this was about 10 years ago, forced to go to work sick, forced to go to work vomiting with all kinds of gross things happening. And I had some really interesting stats about norovirus and how much of that actually stems from from food service workers being forced to show up when wow. they're sick as hell. Ugh. And so that, that was not very romantic. I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you asked me about my favorite food story and suddenly we're talking about vomit. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, you but that apologize. One, I'm all about it. But that one was really, that was really an eye opener for me. And I think it was really eye opening for other people. I, I think people who hadn't worked in the restaurant industry did not understand the scale of, of the issue. So covering those kind of labor issues for me, that has felt like important work to be somebody who was in the kitchen, in the inside, being able to like amplify the voices of the people who maybe don't really get to speak out as much about what they're going through. That would be something I would love about it. Something I love about what I'm doing right now is Mm -hmm. having conversations like this that somebody might go, wow, I can't believe, you know, I think that, like I was in active addiction, right? Where I was drinking and I, you know, I wasn't drinking in the morning. It was just a, it was a nighttime thing, but I drink way too much, but I never thought that I did at all. And I, when I finally quit drinking, I kind of realized like, Oh shit, like I was drinking way too much. And I think, I hope that the pandemic was a reset button for a lot of people 
And I hope that when everything went away, kind of that you had to step out of your comfort zone again, mm-hmm. back to that, that reference that we were able to look back in hindsight and go, oh man, I wasn't treating people that great. I, when we reopen, when we come back to this thing and if you're leading like you did in 2019, I think that you've got to stop doing that. You've got to look at people for who they are. And I think there's, I think that being a pandemic with, Hey, look, if you had a sniffle, you don't come to work. I think it put everything in perspective. Yeah. We start looking at it like almost on a cellular level, like what happens when you breathe? You know, no, Nobody talked about when I cough that droplets go into the air. And if you're closer than six feet around me, you're going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody just come to work. Now yeah. it's like, oh, that's incredibly unsafe. Like it, We need it, to not do that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully we've stopped that. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm not sure. But one of the one of my favorite stories that I, I wrote um, was was fairly recently about a month, a, a month, a year ago. Um, when I first came on to this new job, and it was for the American South, which is another USA Today vertical that just focuses on the South. Um, and it was about rice farming in the mountains of North Carolina, Western North Carolina. Um, and there's a huge Hmong population in Western North Carolina. And I didn't know that. It's it, very, very interesting. Um there in the like hollers of the mountains in western North Carolina um, are tons of rice patties, and they're growing this specialty um, sticky rice that that the Hmong people enjoy eating, and just going out to those rice patties and just walking around and learning about rice farming was so interesting to me. I really, really love covering agriculture, which is, I think, boring to most people, but it's just, it's so fun. It's so interesting to me. It's that kind of looking behind the curtain at where our food really comes from, um, you know, what, what goes into farming and food production is, is fascinating and, you know, incredibly labor-intensive, just hard work. <laughs> well, I think that I feel the same way about what you do. I feel the same way about people who cover this stuff. And, like, how do you even, do you, do you get a lead for that? Like, when, how do you learn about the Hmong people who are having these huge rice fields in North Carolina? Is that something you read about somewhere and went, ooh, I want to get in deeper? Like, for me, I see somebody like you who's traveled around the South, you're writing about the South, and you've co-authored a book and all these little things. And I go, she's constantly reporting on other people. Who's reporting on her? <laughs> like, I want to know how she gets her stories and what her life is like. Because that's the peek behind the curtain that I'm interested in. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're interested in that too. Um, because you're, you're constantly seeking your, your curiosity is with other people. I like to know what makes you run. So this is all interesting stuff. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, I think it really is just having curiosity about other people. Really, that's it. And, and listening and reading and, and listening to, to people talk about what they do and then finding the, finding the interesting thread in all of it. Like, what is the story here? What will people want to know about? Um. And like I said, there's a, a lot, I do a lot of reading, just looking for interesting people around the South. What's the, uh, you do a lot of reading. Are you reading just random publications online or do you intentionally read cookbooks? What's, what's a 
a book you would recommend to people to read or an article or a, a website? Well, southernkitchen.com. Yeah, southernkitchen.com, <laughs> of course. Um, I read a lot of a lot of other journalists' coverage. Um, I I mean, I read the New York Times food section religiously, um, just as, as much as I can absorb. I mean, even tiny little newspapers, you know, little little um, independent weeklies, just as much as I can just to learn about. Um, the, the South, I'm still kind of getting to know some of these places, some of these states that I cover. Um, I spend a lot of time talking, just talking to people about what's, what's interesting in your city. I love yeah. it. Uh, let's do a couple rapid fire because we're almost to the end here. Okay. I, I typically have an hour. We'll go over a little bit. It's fine. But um, what is an app that you use on your phone that you couldn't live without? Otter. I don't know what this is. What is Otter? It is a, it's an app that, oh my gosh, if you are listening to this and you ever have to transcribe notes, Otter will change your life. It, it, it records what people are saying, but it transcribes it in real time. So wow. you can just look on your phone and go quickly to the quote that you want to listen to. And in most cases, it doesn't spell everything right, so you get some funny things, but it improves over time with use. Otter. Otter. Yeah. I love it. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, man. Let's see. I know this is supposed to be rapid. My No, it's not. It doesn't matter. Just movie of all time. Uh, Apocalypse Now. No, wait. Full Metal Jacket. So now you sort of understand what kind of movies I like. Like, wow. <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. I think that was kind of unexpected. Damn good movie. It's a great movie. It, I mean, it's brutal. It's it's so good. It's one I don't think people talk about as much as they should. That's true. I get Shawshank Redemption. Uh, you know, mine, I would say Silence of the Lambs for me. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. But I love and like Pulp Fiction or Godfather Part 2. There's people, everybody has their favorites, but I don't hear a lot of Full Metal Jacket. I have to go rewatch that now, too. But the they told the psychological story of what happens to soldiers so well. And it's, oh. it's, it is haunting. It is. It is haunting. It's great. And it's also violent and crazy. And all Joker and Rafter Man and <laughs> holy shit, private. That, that <laughs> drill sergeant is the best, too. Yeah, I have to rewatch that as soon as possible. That's such a great movie. I haven't thought about that in a long time. There you go. Who's your favorite? Is it Fish, your favorite band of all time? Mm, yeah, I usually don't say that. But yeah, since we kicked off the interview. Why don't you say that? I mean, because I think people have preconceived notions about, <clears throat> excuse me, about who's who's a Fish fan, you know? And uh, I think maybe a lot of that's breaking down now because we're all in middle-aged and like, have real jobs. And <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, that would be it. Yeah, that would be it. Um, don't ever not tell people that. I, I, Do you think people immediately judge you when you say Fish? I don't know. It's a little because bit I like embarrassing. Jam bands. Yeah, I'm not really a jam band person, but I do like fish. Um, I also listen to a lot of in '90s era hip hop. I listen to the blues. I listen to all kinds of stuff. Whatever so. kind of mood you're in, yeah, you got something. Yeah, my favorite band's Pearl Jam. I listened to Nirvana yesterday for like two hours. I love both of those bands. Just I don't know what it was. Listen, the whole In Utero album. I like like some live album. It's washing my car. It took me like two hours. I was like. 
And I really got into some Nirvana yesterday, and I just loved it. It's like, God bless. There's so much anger and so much just, mm-hmm. just screaming. That was like, wow, it was really kind of an outlet. It was really, it was really nice. I don't know. What can I ask? What year you were born? 1979. Okay, I, I was born in 1978. I thought we were about the same. Yeah, age. I was exactly. Say this, yeah. <laughs> we're right there. I'm 43. So. I am going to. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be 44 in just a couple of weeks. What day is your birthday? So wild, June 21st, June? summer solstice. Yeah. Oh wow. That's pretty cool. It's coming right up. Yeah. Happy <laughs> early birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on Nashville Restaurant Radio today. This has been, I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Good. Well, I've, I warned you ahead of time. Most people don't get this. We're going to now do our Gordon Food Service final thought. So thanks again for being here. You get to take us out. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, you're speaking to the audience. The floor is yours. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we've covered a lot of ground today, and I think one of the things that has stuck in my head the most about our conversation was that um, it's important to take the time to know the people around you, whether that is your server, look people in the eye, ask them how they are, but quickly because they're busy, <laughs> you know, but just especially in this time as everybody's coming out of historic, you know, we're, we're still in the pandemic. It's not totally gone away, but everybody is coming out of a historic hard time. Um, be a little bit easier on people, be a little bit more compassionate and um, get to know, like I said, everyone around you, you'd be surprised who you meet. Compassion. It's a good thing. Uh, Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Thank you. It's been wonderful. All right. I tell you what, thank you so much, Mackenzie Lunsford, for joining us here on Nashville Restaurant Radio. I tell you what, I get so lucky. I feel like I get to pinch myself sometimes because I just get to sit in this room and have these conversations with such amazing people, and I just absolutely love it. Hey, if you have somebody out there who you think is really interesting that you would love to hear me interview on this show, find me on Instagram at Brandon underscore NRR and send me a message. Send me a message that says, hey, I'd love to hear this person or that person. Or if you know, um, if you're somebody who'd like to be on the show, then message me. Let me know. Let's find out if that is a good fit. Um Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful week ahead of you. And uh, I don't know what else to say. And I can tell you that I hope that you guys are being safe out there and that I love you. Bye.